Hey, everybody. <laughs> everybody. Sorry, I guess I was waiting for everyone to be like, hey, Joe. <laughs> I can't hear them. No, they're not real. <laughs> they are real. Oh, the people listening to. Yes, yeah, okay, okay. They're real. Your audience, your live studio audience. No, the people Woo! listening. Hi, everyone listening. Hello. Hi, you specifically listening. Um. Uh, so, yeah, so t- on today's episode, we're continuing our, like, golden refringe door. Oh, <laughs> not your finest work. No. Sliding fringes. That's, that's better than trying to make Golden Retriever into a joke. Just Golden Retriever? <laughs> I think. But then I think I got confused and tried to make Labrador in there as well. Why? I think I'm not a vet. Is that possible? You never went to war. Oh, God. Homonyms. <laughs> uh, this is, of course, Praise Dionysus. Praise him! Praise him! Welcome Praise Dionysus. Oh, praise him. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, oh, so this in this episode, we're going to be talking about Oh Yuck, It's Me by Jesse Nayo, Heather by Thomas Eccleshare, The Last Time by Lily Hemsby, and The Year of Our Lord by Plain English Theatre Company. A lot of shows. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Hi, Jake. Hello, James. Uh, yep, like we said, we've been sitting in this room where we have nothing has happened since the last episode. So what are we rating this time? I don't know. You just announced that you vape now. I, I oh, there was not meant to be announced to the world, but yes, I... Oh, who not, are we keeping this from someone? No, not really. Not really? Not who really. are you currently thinking about? My who? mother would probably not like to hear that I vape, but um, also I don't really vape that much. It's just... <laughs> don't oh, lie to her No, me. no, 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 no. <laughs> I, my housemates both have vapes. I often have little vapey from them. Okay. Uh, and <laughs> baby want a baby. Baby want a vapey. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but my housemate Imogen has given has has basically given me a vape that she hates, which is nice. Sure. Of her. Uh, it's a rainbow flavored vape, and it tastes like someone rubbed a skittle on some water. Like it's, okay. there's not much going on in there. Okay. Um. And yeah, I have it now. So that's just another vice that I'm worried about. Every time someone announces to me that they are vaping, I always feel like I ask them the most boring, like, dadly questions. Go and ask them. Like, how do you, what is your relationship with this vape like currently? Are you comfortable with how you vape? See, these are the questions I ask. That is a very, what do you mean? Well, no, like, are you, the reason I don't vape, I'm afraid of addiction. I don't want my lungs to have a buildup of zinc and manganese. Uh Um, I'm afraid of nicotine. Yep. Um, these are my responses. See, my, the good thing about me is I don't know what those things are. So I just, <laughs> I just put it in my body and it makes me go lightheaded for a little bit. Okay, good. Yeah, that's okay. basically it for oh, me. good. So you and your vape, you have no anxiety about your... No, because I, I, if I vape too much, I get queasy, so I don't vape too much. You see, if my body reacted that way to something I was putting into it consistently, I would, like, reevaluate. Yeah, but I'm no. not there yet. No, okay. <laughs> Obviously, Good. guys. Good. No, I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm Guys, do you vape right in? I want to hear. That's why whenever someone tells me they vape... <laughs> it's a very boring thing to say that I've started vaping. No, it's I an don't... interesting thing to say. Is I have it... turned the conversation into boring. <laughs> oh, sure. You're the problem. Yeah, I'm, the pro- I'm admitting that. I'm, no, I'm no, admitting no. that I walk into these... Con- I, I, I'm In these conversations, someone's like, I vape now, and I'm like, well, let's suck the fun out of that immediately. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice, nice. Um, I... Don't, yep, that's not what I was going to try and talk about this episode. Sorry, what did you want to talk about? Nothing at all, actually. I wanted you, to sit here oh, in silence. Oh, I'm sorry. 
<laughs> Sorry for breaking those library no, rules fine, you were fine. trying to instigate. Uh, how were your last five minutes, Jake? Last five minutes, fine. Largely cluttered with vape drama. Uh-huh. But beyond that, no, no. it went. Have we said on the podcast the idea of condensing the last five years into five minutes, the last five minutes? We have. have we already said yeah, that? Okay. We talked about that a couple of days ago. Oh, good. I lost track of time. Yeah, no. And I sort of like, yeah, believe it could be a good idea if it was in the right hands. Yeah. Could, yeah. Be, could be a great idea. Yeah. Someone out there, use it. <laughs> It's yours. Go ahead. That's very generous care. of you. So how would you rate your last five minutes? My last five minutes, I would rate... They were fine. They were good. I had a little pee. Ugh. Well, I did. So yeah, I'd, give it, I'd give it like six out of five. Sure. Yeah, I'd give it a six. Great. You? I'm going to give my last five minutes 307. Fuck. Because I think they're talking about the last five years... And then in the previous episode we just recorded, we talked about Smash. That's given me a reason to think about Jeremy Jordan twice for very valid that's reasons. That's very good. That's that's five. That's 307 stars. Thank you. Yes, he's great. He's a handsome man. Handsome. Talented. I feel like he's short, which I like. Why do you like that? I think short's a nice quality. Sure, sure. It and is. a nice garment. <laughs> um, <laughs> We've both got shorts on right now, yeah, everyone. We do. Oh, I like it's hot knees. Spring! <laughs> what were you Why about to say? do you like short? Oh, not, not, not that a, you shouldn't. No, no, it's a blanket thing. I've been, I've had romantic entanglements with the tall, for sure. Yes. I myself am a tall. You are a tall. So. We yeah. are tall. Yes, we are. Tall, 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 tall. tall, tall. tall. Um, yeah, no, but I just think it's, it's nice on him. I like, I like when the shortness of a person seems to have condensed their magic down. Ooh. That's just a very, sounds almost evil. Oh. Condense their magic down. It, oh, in the way that like it's denser inside of them. Oh, sure. Because there's not much like the, the vessel that it's required to keep their dense magic in them. It feels like it's more concentrated. You do know you sound like a crazy person, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, but that, that's that's how I I just it's like if we were all given the exact same amount of blood. <laughs> Okay, right. A shorter person would have tighter packed blood <laughs> if you replace that blood with magic. But you... Oh god. Oh I a drug addict? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think out of the two of us, you're the drug addict. Oh no. Oh no. Should we talk about fear maybe? And okay. then not talk about condensed blood magic? Right yes. in, do you like condensed blood? Do you want us to talk about blood magic? We will. I don't care. I don't give a hoot. Oh, yuck. Oh. It's me. Oh, oh. Ah, oh, jeez. Thank you. Um, went to the Butterfly Club, didn't I? Uh, yes. I did. I went to the Butterfly Club. Yeah. Uh, Were you there a lot for Fringe too? I was, I was at Butterfly Club probably after Trades Hall. That was probably where I was most, yes. Okay, but Trades Hall trumped it. Yeah, just I yeah. think just by sheer... Um, they have so many rooms. Well, everything was there, wasn't it? It was a hub. That's a one-stop shop. Oi! 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 Um... Yeah. Uh, so went to see Jessica uh, Jesse Nayo. Yeah. Um, in Oh Yuck It's Me. Mm-hmm. Um, a show about finding the will to live even while the world crumbles and burns around you. Oh yes. Is 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 how the show is described. Great. And oh boy, was it. Oh boy, was it. What it was it? What it said on the. What, uh, it did what it said in the can. It That's was, good. It was a crushing, crushing show. A good no synopsis betrayal. No, no synopsis betrayal. Synopsis was it. Great. Um, and. I'm coming into this fringe and coming out of this fringe saying that a lot of these shows were, like, the most something for me out of all the shows I've ever seen. This was the most, like... If you were to, like, take... If you, Jake Stewart, were to go on stage, rip your heart out, put it on the floor, step on it and smear it all over the floor and be like, Hey, everyone, look at my entire trauma and who I am as a person. That's what this show was. Cool. It was 
deeply personal and there are some things in the show that I won't say here because it feels like it's not... It, even though I saw the show, it doesn't feel like it's my story to mm, tell. Sure. Um, yeah. So it starts off, Jesse Nayo comes out in, like, wearing the most bizarre and beautiful little outfit ever. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's this weird... If you've, if you've seen any of the publicity, the, the, she's smeared with these beautiful flecks of blue, pink, green paint, and they've got this beautiful bunny ear outfit on. Mm-hmm. And so Jessie comes out and sort of does this little performance to sort of welcome us all and do like the prelude to the show being to sort of say like, hey, this show's got some tough shit in it. If you want to leave at any point, that's so fine. But the whole thing's delivered in this sort of character of Lulu. And I have got to say, if the whole show was just Lulu, I would have hated it. Okay, sure. And I think that's by design. Lulu is sort of this, Hi guys! Oh, it's so good to see you all here! The whole time. Like this really upbeat, almost Disney-fied character Mm. that's sort of innocent and beautiful and sweet and just wants you to have a good time and is so annoying to listen to. Mm -hmm. Um, Simply because those characters irk me. Sure. Um, Even listening to that like impersonation, I recognise that person. Yeah, you know exactly who that person is. Yes. Yes. Um, So, yep, so Lulu comes out, does that sort of prelude to the show, then says, all right, I'm going to go and get ready and we'll do the show, and goes back, and then comes out in this giant, big vulva like contraption mm-hmm. like it's not quite a dress um but it's this beautiful almost shaped like a coffin okay but dressed up as like a like a the entrance to the womb mm-hmm. and out comes lulu goes into it and says i'm going to go get jesse and out comes jesse and jesse comes on and then does this sort of oh hi guys i'm it's nice to see you here i'm nervous but i'm going to do this show um, and then proceeds to give us just one of the most b- b- exposing of oneself show I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and most of it is sort of a discussion of Jesse's uh, like journey through life, living as a, a, a queer person, um, an autistic person, a person who has dealt with all sorts of trauma. Um, and a lot of it comes back to uh, her, her relationship with her own sort of existence in her body and her own existence in her sexual life and her young sexual life. Um, And yeah, just the way she sort of spoke about, like it started off with this really beautiful, she had this little A4, A3 sheet of paper frame where she would sort of like flick it over and it would have this beautiful artwork that she had done and she would then use that to sort of explain an element of her childhood. Mm. In particular, I found interesting her sort of childhood sexual ideas, like things she found sexually exciting as a child and things that sort of confused her as a child, which then sort of lent lent insight into what she develops to sort of grow relationships with. And she just spoke about them so generously and so frankly. And some of the language that came out of her mouth, Jessie speaks in such a beautiful way. And they'll say things like, um, you know, I liked being fucked like a whore and I like, I like, like, things, like, just such open and frank sexual conversation that I really appreciated. Mm. Um, and it was just so nice to sort of, because, because as children, we do have lots of weird sexual ideas when your brain is still figuring out what that is. And so to see someone come on stage and just give this really, uh, exposing, um, 
description of what they had sort of been through was so refreshing. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so that's sort of the start of the show. And then throughout the show, Jesse would go back into the vulva and out would come Lulu again to sort of hype us back up. Because uh, often the stories Jesse would tell would be really grim, like really, really quite hard to listen to and quite mm. hard to sort of get through. And then she would come out as Lulu and do this sort of, oh, that was a bit heavy. And it very quickly became apparent that Lulu was sort of like an expression of how Jesse copes, like the sort of, you have to resort to this sort of sickly sweet, brightly coloured, beautiful, artistic world to sort of bring herself back to sort of some place of normalcy. But when Jesse came back out, she was still able to sort of be, it's not okay, but it is okay. Um, which was, yes, yeah, so that sort of device worked throughout the show to sort of bounce between and bring us in and out of these really deeply tragic moments into this sort of, but it's okay, right? Um, which is a bit of a yo-yo and a bit of a journey to go on, yeah. which, which you had to sort of get into. Um, but it really, really worked. Uh, there was the most beautiful moment towards the end of the show. Jesse does this amazing in sort of interpretive dance movement piece in the dark with UV lights. She's nude and got this beautiful paint, which she then smears all over herself. Um, and it's the sort of thing, if I heard it described, I would think... That just sounds like... I couldn't think of an ending. Well, yeah! <laughs> it, 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 but watching it was something else because you had this sort of discourse and sort of connected her own body and her own journey, which then connected it all to the coral reef. And she was sort of picking this thing that she was hitching all her hopes and dreams onto to sort of be like, I want to go and see the coral reef. I want to see the beauty of the coral reef and be a part of it and just be a part of this beautiful ecosystem that exists. And then she sort of described this horrible feeling she had of just floating above this coral reef and sort of being so close to this thing that she thought would heal her and make her feel better, but it's dying and it's being bleached and it's being destroyed. And just that sort of visual of her in the dark covered in this paint floating above this dying coral reef. Mm. Just, it just really can... I feel wrapped up a lot of the storyline she had been bringing through and wrapped it up really neatly. Yeah. Um, oh, God, this show made me cry, Jake. Mm. Like, I mean, ugly crying in the show. Yeah. Have you ugly cried in a show? Have you been in a show that's made you, like, rack and heave? Um, oh. No, I think I do most of my racking and heaving, like, on the walk home. Sure, that sounds smarter. Yeah, I think... No, I do like the soft, elegant crying in the theatre, but uh, yeah, rarely. Soft, it... elegant crying. Yeah. You. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, the grosser stuff tends to happen later. Yeah. I'd say. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay, because I was doing it all there. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, God. Mm, yeah. Sold out. Sold out night. Great. Very, very sensibly so. I, I'm not sure if it's the first time Jesse's done the show. I think it was because um, she was talking during the show, sort of made mention of how hard it has been to get back on this horse of doing a show and to open up and share these deep things, especially when you're still going through so much turmoil, mm. um, is obviously a difficult thing to do. Sure. But, um, and there were so many beautiful moments. It was one of those gorgeous moments of when you can see the performer actively reacting to the response they're getting from the audience. Yeah. And there was like so many moments of like, she'd make a joke or she'd say something that was truly tragic and everyone would react in a way that was like either, that's really funny, or react in a way of like, oh, that's horrible, I can't believe you went through that. And you could see her oh. sort of actively go, 
Yeah, it is pretty shit, isn't it? Like, yeah, great. Okay, that I'm not making this up. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, there was one. I don't want to spoil or. Yeah. But there was one line that just. She was talking about a moment in her life where she was at her lowest, and she was thinking about really actively contemplating ending it all, and she just spoke about this person that she had because she was overseas, and she had this one person popped into her head as she was sort of thinking about ending it, and it was just this one thread keeping her to this world, and she just spoke of this person as a single thread holding her down to the world when nothing else could. Mm. And that's what made her come back, the love for this person. Oh my god. Oh! And just that one thread pulling her in and keeping her out down, and, and, and clearly she has been working and made more threads now, but just mm. the idea that you're that close... And to then get on stage and tell a room full of strangers about it is so brave. Yeah. Um, yeah, I felt really lucky to see the show. Mm. No, that sounds amazing. Yeah. It was, it was amazing, but it was also just so harrowing that someone can go through all of that and still come out the other side and have the resilience, maybe not resilience, but the spark to still make beautiful, beautiful art that really, really expresses concisely what she was feeling yeah. I think is really amazing God we're so lucky that the, the person that went through everything she went through was a theatre maker yes yeah you're absolutely right because I don't know how she would have coped otherwise well, I just feel well we're just fortunate too because like, otherwise we wouldn't get to know what she was yeah. feeling and what she went through yeah yeah she's also clearly a very talented painter I've also give, had a really good stalk um, and she does beautiful like the paint she had done on her face and the art, it's all these gorgeous, colourful, vibrant paintings. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's just, I think it's just so nice to see a show by someone and then sort of recognise just they... When you see people that are just so naturally creative and so at touch with what they want to make, mm. I just think it's so beautiful. Yeah. 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 And I think even just in someone so clearly at odds with the world just by nature of the things they've been through and the things they are still going through and still be such a competent and m marvellous performer mm. and creative I think is so special as well yeah yeah so I, yeah like I said there's really not much I want to say about the show beyond that because, yeah, yeah. Mm, but if you get a chance to see how it's me pack some tissues yeah that sounds like magic that sounds so good yeah it really was magic mm. um yeah Jesse. God, I wish... Oh, my God. I, I've been thinking about education too much lately. But it's like, why what, Like why weren't there like adults around us? Maybe they were for you. Around mm. us, as we grew up, telling these like sweeping, devastating stories about their life experience mm. and the things that like hurt them and how they recovered from them. Like, why weren't these stories that we were hearing from people that we knew yeah. growing up? Yeah, you're right. I, I definitely didn't feel that growing up either which is why I think when I saw that show that I spoke about a while ago where that uh, man Roy I think his name was just gives this long winded speech about growing up as a gay man and, and falling in love with people and just mm. that it was so moving because we didn't have people just opening up about who they are and what they've been through yeah and sharing anything human about themselves really yeah because it was all behind this it's, you're right especially in education it's all behind this code of conduct and all this you can't open up to the... You can't connect to the kids like that. You, it's it's teaching maths. Mm. Maths and literature. Yes. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. God. There's yeah. something to be said for, like, those... For people who live in... I don't know, even, like, people who live in different 
cultural families who have like large groups of family members living at home with them like grandparents and aunts and uncles who are all open about what they've been through and what they talk I'm sure there's other issues but there's something to be said for yeah connecting to people at an early age and treating them like adults and not trying to be like they can't hear about this Mm. because that just stunts people Mm. but it's like but you being the person telling this story guarantees me that you can go through that and still be alive yeah yeah. You know, and, and live the way that you're living at the very least. Yeah. You know? And that, that would be just, be, I don't know, just be very nourishing for a young person and for an older person. Well, yeah, know. it was very nourishing for me to see this show. Mm. Yeah. Got storytelling. Storytelling! Uh, We're here to make theatre. We're here to talk about art. Hello. Oh. Hey. <laughs> yeah, okay, let's just do this. Hi. <laughs> Rip the band-aid off. Hello, <laughs> so good to see you. Oh my god. I went to Meat Market. For meat? No. Oh. <laughs> That's good. Every time I go to Meat Market, I get more meat material from you. So yeah, you're I love really a bit of meat. Stitching together a, a beefy fringe show. Oh. Oh. <laughs> beef chief. Beef chief. Any chance to talk about beef? We love beef. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> I went to see Heather. A show called Heather by Thomas Eccleshare at Meat Market. I was there right. with Sebastiano Pitrizzello. I think you're familiar. I'm very familiar, yes. Um, I'm certain the listener is. Yes. Uh, and then um, Elizabeth Brennan was also there as well. Oh! Both of them, former co-hosts, just realising that now. What a treat. What a treat. Um, um, praise Dionysus. Pra- Reunion. Ah, praise him. Praise, praise him. Oh. Um, so yeah, went to see this show. Went Great. inside. Great. Two-hander, Michelle <clears throat> Carrera and Christina Benton. Cool. Okay, directed by Gavin Roach. There we are. Love. Great. Uh, went inside. It's the two of them on chairs. Um, not, Solid not, start. Not preset, Solid start. Not, not a preset, preset. Just two chairs. Not preset. They come out after the lights go down. Okay, good of you to flag that now. Yeah, good. Everyone picture it accurately. Um, so what it then is, is like the first segment of it. Of course, I don't know it's the first segment. It could be the whole play. The play begins. It's like an email exchange that we're hearing between an author and a publisher. Oh. Michelle's playing the publisher. Christina is playing the author. And flipping back and forth between these emails that are getting read aloud. It's like, okay... So this, this author has written a children's book. It's like Harry Potter-esque about a girl named Greta. It's got like magic and whatnot in it. Great. And the publisher is like, you wrote the book. Great book. The book's good. Then the book starts going really well. And they sell million, like millions of copies of this book. This is all, all still the first part. This is all emails. Okay. This is all like, yeah. oh, oh. And it's like, oh, we should look, fly you out here. Have it be like launch party thing. You should come out here. And they're like, oh, no, I can't. I shouldn't. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit sick. And it's like, okay, that's fine. And then they keep going. Like, okay, this book is going so well. You need to start doing like press stuff. You should come and do press stuff. And they're like, oh, no, I'm I'm really sick. I've got my daughter. Like, this is, I, I you can't right now. And they're like, okay, great. Then it's like, oh, we'll come to you. We'll do a thing in your town. You can just like turn up and it'll be like all about you. And they're like, look, no, I'm sorry. I, it's just not going to fit into my life. Okay. And then by the end of this first segment, we get to this point where it's like, the author is in prison for murder and rape. What? 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 Is that like a sudden last minute, last second turn? Sudden last second turn. In jail? Yeah. So, yeah. And so Christina's character is like, look, I broke into a house. Like I followed this woman home, went inside, Slit her children's throats in front of her, and then raped her. The author. And then killed her. The author. The author did this. What? Then got into prison and wrote a book. It's like if J.K. Rowling were debatably even worse than she is. A little bit. And then, yeah. Wait, really? Okay, so so, so she wrote the book while she was in jail. Yes. After the publishers didn't know this. Had no idea because it was like a a pseudonym, and it was like a sent a manuscript to a publisher. The publisher was like, Ravenclaw? That's crazy. <laughs> oh my god, that's a... Gr- that's... Okay, I'm in. I'm in. That's how the first section ends. They then swap roles, 
And so now they're playing the other person. So now Christina is playing the publisher oh. and Michelle is playing the author. Oh. And it's a conversation later on where they're talking more about how things are going to be moving forward in terms of like, okay, how do we tell the public like what is going to happen next? And that's kind of like what happens in the second part. Um, yeah, but that's that's kind of the essence of it. The, oh my. the two performers are really great. Their swapping is cool. Like I think, and I want to hear what you think about this, mm. but like swapping them from being like those roles and then like flopping them around, it's interesting the way that that points at the idea of like, are we just what we do? Sure, okay. You know? Sure. Like that's, that's what it hit me hardest in terms of like, why would they change yeah. roles? It's, it's sort of the thing of like, okay, are we just kind of like an amalgamation of our reputation um, huh. in the way of like playing a role? Obviously in theatre, you're literally playing a role. Yeah. It's like, are you just the things that people point at you and say that you are? Yeah, wow. I mean, I guess that sort of makes me think of other shows. Where, I'm trying to think of like other shows where they have done that because that's a... a a, a, a device that's not often used, I feel. And when it is used, it tends to be, yeah. To, it's, it's, to, like, to great effect. People and love it's also the notable it. thing. Yeah, like, like I'm thinking of Frankenstein with Frankenstein. Benedict Cumberbatch and What's-His-Face. Yep. Um, there was also, I mean, well, Hedda Gabla 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 this time around at um, Fringe, which I did not see. Mm. The three of them would vie for, have like a competition to see who's going to play what role at the start of every scene. Right. Like yeah, that yeah. sounds like such an interesting... Pre- and yeah, when they did, was, I think it was called Playing the Dane at the Malt House a few years ago. Like you would vote on who you wanted to have play Hamlet in the final act of the show. Why? That's cool. Yeah. Mystery of Edwin Drood. That's a very similar premise with the musical. At the mm-hmm. end of it, you vote on who you think did the murder and then they have a song. Sure. That, that There was that experimental piece of crap that was at the Malt House a little while ago where you would vote using like... We're almost like Wii controllers. You would vote on how you wanted the play to continue. That's cool inter- concept. That's a cool I think concept. it was just like too early on in the development phase of the, how the right. device would work. Okay. But it was cool technology. Cool technology. It also makes me think of, very briefly, um, again, I've already mentioned this show, but the show C- The Cocoon mm. that I saw recently, uh, there was this one of the mo- d- uh, duologues they had was two characters, obviously in roles, but those two actresses had played the opposite characters in a production before. Oh, cool. So they sort of got to play it from both sides, which, I, which is not the same thing, but it's it's a similar sort of, mm. yeah, are, are you just who we pointed you and say, you're this person now? Mm. That's yeah. interesting. And it's interesting too, because of course that's the, like additionally potent in the way of like a person being deemed a criminal, someone being in jail, and then yeah. is attempting to do something else with their life, like trying to write a beloved children's book while having done something reprehensible. Did, did, did she, I'm, I'm getting straight to the nitty gritty. Do we know? Do we find out why she did it? Well, that comes down to that. That comes to a thing that I now have to talk about. Amazing, because you've triggered this conversation. Good, good. I want to hear. <clears throat> so then, that's that's the like the the second part is that there's three parts. The second part is that more complicated conversation about how they're going to move forward after this this, this yeah. after the publisher finds out. And then it kind of like sets it then up to be like, oh, what are they going to do about like, what's going to happen with the rest of this book? What's going to happen with the film adaptation? How are they going to deal with the film adaptation? Well, potentially. Oh my God. How are they going to deal with like publish, like public, like, um, scrutiny, scrutiny. um, And yeah. Yeah. So how are they going to do that? Then the third part starts. And then the third part is the two of them sort of acting out the screenplay like, the final moments of the screenplay, which is, like, a showdown between Harry Potter and Voldemort, but, yep. like, this play's version of them. Wow. And then that scene ends in a particular way that is meant to then sort of illuminate the issues that have been talked about in the play. Wow, that's really cool. I love that. I'm glad you think that. I felt the opposite way. I... <laughs> um, and I think it's because I wanted... It was the thing where it's like, and I, I, and I totally, like, dramaturgically, literarily, I get why, and obviously you like that idea. Mm. I get why that is the way that this playwright chose to end this play. Um, it makes sense. 
um, I, I guess me, because I was so interested in this story they were telling mm. and like the politics they were playing with and wanting to know like, what are these characters going to do? Like, what is going to be like the, the public reaction to this? Like how it, it's very complicated, murky, very current conversation. Around, it's also like, a very you conversation. I think you love that sort of, you love the darker side of things. Quack, quack. Yes. Yeah, quack, quack. Of course the darker side of things. And, and I, I don't know, this very contemporary issue of like, how like can we forgive people and like also why do we need to forgive people and also can that's like seems like the biggest example of can we separate art from the artist for sure yeah yeah Yeah. um what like what even is forgiveness like is it just like an invented piece of shit like it is i have a very complicated relationship with what forgiveness is but even um those questions like i just wanted to see like and to me the stories are like especially interesting and maybe even in my mind a story has to have like a lot of time it needs to have a person making choices and then inhabiting those choices and then dealing with the consequences of those choices like maybe it's a very like old school Greek way to think about storytelling but like I want to see the follow through like I want to see the outcome of the things that you've done I don't want to see a really cool setup which is what this play has that you then instead of like resolving or exploring the outcome of those earlier moments you just kind of like I don't know, like wade around in the ideas that you put forth. Like, it's like, I can do that with thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see you take these characters and show me the trajectory of the journeys that they go on. That's what I'm interested in. And so that's, that's why I was left, I suppose. Like, the ending wasn't to my taste. It yeah. seems like it was more to yours. But I think that's why I left kind of unsatisfied because it was like, you, you, you put all this work into making this really interesting conundrum and then you didn't show us how it went. Okay, you know, I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, that would have been... that For you, I can feel that would have been mm. unfulfilling. Sure. But I, I think totally I would get why they did what they did. Yeah, I love the idea of just, like, we're telling a story. Why don't we, why don't we eventually bring this to, like, some fantastical sort of element? I love the inclusion of a fantastical element. Sure. And that... Uh, oh, it's also, like, art reflecting life. I think that sums up a lot of things. I, I wish I saw that. That sounds really cool. Yeah, sure. I guess yeah, in that way it is more you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the two actors, really great. They're like swapping between roles was like clear and great and, and the way that they played. And again, which goes back to the theme of like, who are we? Are we just what we do? They inhabited these roles in very different ways. Like they mm. were just impersonating each other when they swapped roles. It was like a different take on the same character. Oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And a two-hander, especially a two-hander that opens with emails. <laughs> like, you have to be charismatic in order for that to be to make bearable. Work. Yes. Question, do we ever find out why she slit the throats? Why she did that? You have to ask Thomas no, Eppleshare to stage know. the play or something. I don't know. That's, oh. that's on you, stupid. Would you ever slit someone's throat? Would I ever slit someone's throat? We, if all, I, we all know the answer. If I really wanted to make a pie, yes. <laughs> Yes, I would. <laughs> but uh, only then. Pretty women. Yeah. Only for pies. Only for pies. I'd only do it for pies. Oh, Sweeney Todd. Oh. Hello. Uh, oh, oh. Is this on? James. Uh, James. Hello. Yes, hi. Hello. Um, Theatre's been happening. Oh, God. Lots <laughs> of it. Should we put a stop to it? <laughs> I think we should. Get the hose. That's what the show becomes. Us just... Ending beating it. up theatre makers. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, do you like that? Oh, not really, but I, 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 good pitch. Thanks. Good pitch. Strong pitch. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I saw The Last Time. Yes. Uh, it was at the Improv 
Conspiracy? Conspiracy theory, Which is yes. a venue, isn't it? It's a venue, yes. I, I, I assume they do improv stuff there. Uh-huh. But it is a venue. You know Loop Bar? Yes. Yep, it's just above Loop Bar. The improv conspiracy theatre is above Loop Bar. Yes, or below... It's in that building. Great. Yeah. So, saunter on in. Yeah. I'm not alone this time. I'm with Flynn. Ooh! Uh, we go on in, sit down. Uh-huh. It's a small little black box space. Yep. Uh, the show starts. Oh. Oh. Um, <laughs> we are presented with... Lottie Beckett and uh-huh. Sam Tilly. Uh-huh. Uh, full disclosure, I saw Lottie Beckett in Club Night a few months ago now? Weeks? Yeah, yeah that sounds right. Whatever. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Um, and you and liked her in that? I loved her in that. I think she's a terrific performer and she was terrific in this. Great. Um, so my opinion on, on Lottie is absolutely coloured by how much I love her. Oh, sure. Um, Which I think is fair. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think she's terrific. Yeah. <laughs> Any questions? <laughs> Bear in mind, if I compliment her, it's only because I like the way she performed. Yeah, and you shouldn't take it seriously. <laughs> nah, I take it seriously. I'm very serious. Um, so it's a, it was a two-hander. Mm-hmm. It's a play about uh, Zoomers. Now, do you know what a Zoomer is? Um, Generation Zoomer. Generation Zoomer. It's like a... Isn't that after us? Is it, well, gener- is that a generation? Is that, is that a combination of generation Because there's Boomer and, and Zoomer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Zoomer is like... Oh, is that just what Z is short for? I think I, think I assume... It's not actually short. I think they picked the letter first and someone has taken Zoomer and made it apply. Because it's fun to say Zoom. Because it's fun to say Zoom. Okay. Um, and I think, I think it's like the generation like from 95 onwards a little bit. I think. But you saw the show, right? Yeah. So what did they define it as being? Oh, no, this is like in the description of the show. It's not. Oh. Really, they don't sit down and say, aren't we glad that we're both Zoomers <laughs> who are the people born between the years? They didn't do that. Well, poorly written show. <laughs> no, that's just how people talk, Jake. They don't say... Ah, oh, Jake, my dear boomer friend. It's so good that we're here and you were born between the years of... I'm not a boomer. Yes, mm, I'm a me. Uh, so, so a zoomer is a Generation Z person. Yes? Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Continue. Uh, so it's a show about sort of... It's a show about um, situationships. It's a show about like sort of the relationships you fall into at, at that age. At the age of like being sort of early 20s. Mm. And also about being a burgeoning artist and sort of writing and trying to get your writing taken seriously uh. and trying to get your writing out there. Mm. And, and I think also the relationships between writers as well. Mm-hmm. A bit of this show. Yeah. So it sort of opens on, it's uh, Jesse and Lucas are the characters' names. Mm. So Jesse and Lucas are sort of at Lucas's apartment. They're having a, a, a catch-up. It's, a, it's, a, it's sort of like a one-night stand situation. Do they initiate it intending to bang? Yeah, it, it seems so. Okay. I've got... It's... Lucas... Okay, Lucas, played by Sam Tilly very well, mm. has been written in a way that makes it so, so desperately impossible to like him. Oh, good. <laughs> Awful person. Just like... <laughs> and nothing he said made me go, oh, you're redeemable. No. Oh, awful. God. He, he's like one, one, of the, one of the domineering parts of the set is like this large portrait of Napoleon Bonaparte. Okay. <laughs> Which was confusing. At first, and still is. Because it turns out Lucas is a very successful writer. He's managed to get his writing published and like out there. He's got deals. He's got so much money. Okay. Like he's got... the because As a playwright? As a writer. Okay. I, I believe he's writing a... Uh, I think it's a book. From memory, because he re- yeah he reads something. He's just like a novel. He's a novelist, and he's got this portrait of Napoleon Bonaparte. He's bought for ten thousand dollars. Good God! Just has it, okay. and he treats it like it's no big deal. Okay. Um. So he must be writing pretty well. <laughs> to, 
at his age to sort of be getting a Napoleon Bonaparte. There's also a part later on that I need to bring up now. The two of them, it, the whole show is sort of like their conversation on the night of sort of realizing that their relationship is not what they thought it was and like that they don't really want to be with each they don't want to be with each other but they keep sort of having sex. Okay. Um so they are in like one of these situations. Yes, already. Okay. They're already in this. Okay. Um and there's a point where they sort of get online. I can't remember how they do it. They're talking about Napoleon Bonaparte and yeah. how obsessed Lucas is with Napoleon Bonaparte because he just did he just went out there and did it, you know? He got it all for himself. Like Lucas seems to have this very one mind track of rise and grind. Okay. But he's also just been given a lot of things on a silver platter. He is unlikable. He's deeply unlikable. Okay. He also reads a bunch of... Anyway, what does um, he read? He re- uh, later on in the show, he reads a bunch of his writing, which has been purposefully, by Lily Hensby, the writer of this actual show, yeah. written to be bad. Okay. Like, it, like, it's like... Like, she got out of the Uber. She tripped daintily into my arms. Like, it's essentially... He's, all he's written is an account of like it's an amalgamation of all these one night stands he's had mm. and he's written this book about being like a young man who has a lot of sex and how interesting that is yeah. deeply unlikable person sure. fucking hell <laughs> um, but there's this point in the show where they're sort of looking up Napoleon Bonaparte paraphernalia and they just find his preserved penis and Lucas just sort of immediately goes oh yeah I'll buy that and there was a little part of me that just sort of thought that can't be how the world works. In what way? You can't just look up Napoleon Bonaparte's penis mm. and buy it. Why? Because if it existed, it would be in a museum. Or it would be already... Uh, like, there's not... I just... Well, how a... do the museums get them? The internet. <laughs> <laughs> the internet's our god. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, there's, yeah, I don't know. That, that just made me go, wait a minute. Okay. <laughs> what? That is, I, I, Was I, it a huge plot point? Is that... Not really. No, oh, okay. no. I was able to sort of let it be. But, sure. But it just sort of stuck me as, I don't think this is set in the real world. I Who think would... this okay. is set in a fake world <laughs> where writers what? of... Because he's clearly a bad writer. Where bad writers can make enough money to buy $10,000 portraits of Napoleon Bonaparte like it's no big deal. Sure. So you're just going to accept that that is the world this show is set in. I like that world. I do too. You insane. would like that world, wouldn't you? Writers just have a crazy amount of money. Writers just have so much money. Lottie, however, plays um, Jessie. <laughs> and she is not jazzed. She is not jazzed. She's got no money. And oh, she, no. She is and she's a doctor. She's, she, no, she's also a writer. Okay. So, so a lot of the conversations they have are sort of like her sort of trying to illuminate to Lucas that like, you've just been sort of given all these things and I'm trying to write stuff and no one's listening to me and no one mm. listens to my voice yep. and and he has written a lot about their one night stands together and she sort of realises this and it sort of becomes a dis- conversation about like yes that's as much your story as it is mine but also why didn't you talk to me about this why mm. didn't you tell me you were doing this that's yeah. really and uh, the things that you've written about are quite personal mm. um, yeah I, it just I could not believe that Jesse would ever be into Lucas I could not believe it. There was no part of me that... And I think... I guess that's part of it because it was all like, why am I... Why am I here? Why am I... St- st- why do I still come to see you, Lucas? Why do I still have sex with you? Why do I do any of these things when you were just such a bad person? Mm. Um, which are, we've... I guess we've all seen people do that. And, and I've definitely, you know, done that and gone back to people that ne- aren't necessarily good or interesting for me in any way. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you have stories that are similar. No. <laughs> You're a deeply flawed person. <laughs> that wasn't even necessarily a connected thought. No! 
It just came into my mind. You're not deeply flawed. You're complicated. There's a difference. Um, so, so, um, slow down a second there, buddy. Let's sidestep the parts where you're hurting my feelings. Why pretty you, hard. They're quite big. Then what? <laughs> have I actually done that thing where I'm accidentally oh, really mean? I'm going to have a breakdown. Okay, um, well, I'm well, sorry. No, that's... Do you want to apologise? I can take it back. So if you... <laughs> if I, I'm sorry, listening. I'm just letting <laughs> my body readjust. <laughs> um, that's uh, what... Um, well, then what was it that was getting you coming back to these people that you knew you shouldn't have been going back to? Sex. Sex. Just sex. Okay. Yeah, so I get it. Well, I yeah, because the things, like, in this play... Is he just like hot and rich? Mm, I would not that I would have sex with someone being hot that's and rich. The thing. That's the thing. If anything, that would make me want to avoid. The richness would make me want to avoid because I don't know because he's deeply unlikable. Like sure. he's just a deeply unlikable person. Um, I guess too as well. Just imagining these characters, which you're about to explain in more detail. Yeah. I feel like if you were like trying, like trying to do something that someone else was worse that worse than you at but was succeeding at it, you feel like being around them would make you feel like sick. Yes. There were a few moments where she was sort of like, hey, can you... She's... There's one point where she realises that he's taken all of her stories that they have together and put them into writing. Mm. And she's sort of like, I'm going to use... She sort of softly tries to blackmail him. He's like, I'll tell everyone that you've done this unless you, like, put me in touch with your publishers. Mm. Like, put me in touch with your, your people. Cool. And, um... Which could have been a way, but it seems to be a thought that she only has that night. So it's like, it's not like she's using the relationship for anything either. Sure, okay. Um, and also, they have, like, on stage sex, and it is very apparent that Lucas is just a bad lover. Like, he's a just. A bad lover. He's a bad lover, Jake. He doesn't put it in, doesn't put in the effort. Doesn't bang good. <laughs> bad banging. That's your problem. You got your banging all wrong. Um, and he's just like, you know, just the cl- classic things of like, he's come, so it doesn't matter anymore. And like, mm. she, he, she's just like, just let me do it. And it's like, why, if the sex is bad, mm. if he's a bad person and you don't enjoy his company, yeah. I guess the rest of the show is just trying to unravel why are you coming back to him? Does the play answer that question? Not for me. Oh, okay. Uh, it may have. Like this one, like it ends on a melancholy note of out of no out of nowhere he pulls out this keyboard and starts playing a piano song (laughs) not very well that doesn't win you over not at all like it was very purposefully it felt purposefully not like it was meant to be like he's doing it for fun not because he's good at it okay um and it sort of ended with the two of them playing that and i don't i don't I, i don't personally know what we were meant to take away from that but that's how it ended. Okay. Which seems to suggest that maybe there's something more to their relationship. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen it during the show. Yeah. And maybe, maybe that's maybe that's the point. Maybe the point is life is full of these shit relationships, and you can make something of them if you put in the work. But maybe it's not worth it sometimes. But there can be beautiful moments found. Okay. Maybe. Sure. Is what I think I took away from this. Okay. Do, can you guess like why? Is there some, if you had to guess as to why Lucy wanted to tell this story? You. Why would... I guess it would be about... For me, I guess... A writer writing this show, I have to believe it was about the the world of writing. Okay. More so than the situationship. Because that seemed to be the thing they spoke about the most. Okay. And it seemed to be the major discourse between them was the fact that Lucas was a, was a successful writer, but arguably a worse writer. Yeah. And sort of, therefore, led to all these questions of what makes writing good and... Why is my writing not being published if it is better than your writing? Mm. Um, I think that's what they were trying to get across mostly because 
Sorry, my tummy's rumbling. If you heard that, I'm hungry. Um, we're going to go and get banh mi soon. Um, yeah, because like I said, I there was no part of me that believed that they could have liked each other. Okay. Which was interesting to watch just because it's like, you, they do so clearly gravitate towards each other. Hmm. And then the whole show sort of became this safari hunt to sort of hunt the reason yeah. down to what, what brings them together. Which is not a reason that you found. Like, I didn't find it. I'm okay. not sure what it was. Sure. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but Lottie's, Lottie's... I just love watching Lottie perform. She Every line, she just knows how to load it and how to deliver it. Great. Like, every single... Yeah, it was just really good. Lottie, you're great. And how was this garbage guy played? As a garbage person, like <laughs> Sam, like Sam did a great. Sam is also a terrific performer. The great. two of them have really good chemistry with each other on stage. Like, cool. It was believable that they were these two characters in the room with each other, undergoing the night they were going through. Yeah. And Sam, I'm so sorry. You did a great job playing an awful person. Like, <laughs> why are you apologizing? Because it's like I don't want Sam to think that I think he's bad. I don't think he's bad think, at all. I think Sam knows. Thanks, Sam. I'm glad you know. Um, nailed it in making me deeply dislike this character which is a, a a real skill i think yeah 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 i would hate to find out that that's just how sam acts in real life <laughs> um so if that is the case i am sorry sam <laughs> but if it's not great stuff great stuff the world's full of unlikable people and we have the joy of acting them yeah Yo, sup, dude. (laughs) Not much, (laughs) G-money. So I went to the MC showroom with Blonde Haley and Glaswegian Connor. Oh, Glaswegian Connor, yes. He's from Glasgow. Glasgow, Is that what you call someone from Glasgow? Glaswegian? I've heard Glaswegian before. Glasgoian doesn't make sense. Is that from... Or is it someone from Glasgow and Norway? Am I stupid? <laughs> yes, but that's not coming into play here. Connor is from Glasgow. Very good. And he, Haley, and I went to see The Year of Our Lord by Plain English Theatre Company. Great. Plain English. They've done something else. What have they done? They've done a bunch of things. It's like all this, like James, like James Robertson. Yes. 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 Thank you. Yes. yes. So Fisher. Yes. <laughs> the, good, good, good. The show you cosplayed. <laughs> yes. I, you got to stop bringing that up. I did not it's mean to so dress as Fisher Man, but I did. <laughs> That's why it's funny. Okay. Uh, carry on. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we went into the theater um, and then uh, James Robertson was in the audience. I was confused and oh. thought he was in the show, which I told James and I was like, it's so good to see you. I thought you were in the show. Were you sitting next to James? Uh, no, we were just in the same audience bank together. Because you sat next to James at another show, didn't sat you? Sat next to James when I went and saw that three-hander about gay sadness. That's right. We yes. love you, James. Yeah, ah, profoundly. Yes. So yeah, hugged him, left him, sat down, watched the show. Show started. And so, the year of our Lord. First off, have to flag, unsurprisingly, Bridget Morrison, incredible. Great. Obviously, she was in Lenore, playing Lenore. So good. Good. Could watch her do anything. Show starts. We're in, like, it's a very, very sparse set, um, which is cool. And it's kind of like, uh, the, the world we're in is kind of like this vague, kind of like, there's a princess... And she has, like, an advisor, and she has, like, another type of advisor. I love advisors. That th- oh. This show is so much more you than me in terms of oh. even, like, theme and setting. Okay. Especially in the first segment of it. Mm-hmm. So we're in this castle. There's a princess. She's in charge. I don't know enough about royalty. Why are princesses in charge? That's why... I don't know. But she was in charge. Um... But she was, yeah, so I, that, I was going to ask you, I thought you'd know. I thought you were going to be like, sometimes princesses run things. No, if you are in, if it's a royal family lineage thing and you're in charge, you become the regent if you're not the king or the queen. Depending on 
where you are. Why was the, the Queen Elizabeth rest in power? Why was she married to a <laughs> prince? In, not rest in power, rest in worms. Sorry, what was that? <laughs> I hate right, the monarchy. Actually, yeah, no, I didn't mean to say that and make it sound like I was pro-colonial. Yeah, fuck that. No, die in the dirt. She is. <laughs> she is. Yeah, she's my, very my soundly spell came true. Ah, take that. Ah. Why was Queen Elizabeth married to a prince? Because there's other princes. He was prince of... He was from Malta, wasn't he? he was oh, he was from... all... Oh, that's he was already a prince. He was already a prince, yeah, of like I think Greece. Am I making that up? He was a greasy prince. He was a, no, he wasn't a prince. It doesn't. You know what? I actually don't care. But he was already a prince when they got married, I believe. Or he was already like a member of some royal family. And so his princeness didn't get taken away from him. Yeah, I so think he was a prince independent of her. Actually, you know, I think he was like a duke or something, and then they got married, and he became the prince because he was married to a princess. I think is what happened. And then she became the queen, and then he became a prince still because he was. Yeah, because I think he doesn't become... No, he became the king, didn't he? When... Other queens had to be married to kings. Was I misinformed by chess? Isn't he... Yeah, because he was never or... he was never called king. Was... I, as I've said, actively do not care about this. <laughs> and don't care about monarchy. It's almost as if the Camilla Cabello Cinderella wasn't a documentary. <laughs> Camilla Cabello. Camilla Cabello to you. Ooh, to us all. Oh, my God. She released a, like, a Christmas song the other day. Too soon, Camilla. And also, oh, very good. On the way in, that Starbucks peppermint coffee, the thing I meant to say about it, I had mm. a Starbucks peppermint coffee on the way in, um, and it always makes me feel like Christmas, bitch. It's Christmas. <laughs> peppermint. Candy cane. Yum. So the princess is in charge because of reasons unknown. Because of reasons that I don't understand, but I'm sure they looked into it. The mm. princess is running things. She has these two advisors. The princess is a bit inept, doesn't really know what she's doing, mm. is unsure of like how to do anything. Can I pitch? Can I make a pitch here and guess something? Go ahead. One of the advisors, at least, is evil. Fuck, you're good at this. Oh, yes! Bridget Morrison, uh. as is already established, expertly plays mm. this advisor uh. who... like. Okay, I'll get back to her performance about it. Okay, but you're okay. right. She's evil. Terrific. Watch and find out how. <laughs> there's a vague set. There's like a like a pox going around. A very vague COVID-like pox uh-huh. that people get. I'm not super clear on what the symptoms are, but people catch it. <laughs> and then they've got the pox. <laughs> they've got the pox. So it's out there. And yeah. And the, 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 also the scribe comes to town who's sort of tasked with writing the memoir for the, the princess. Sort of. He's kind of like keeping tabs on and um, annotating everything that happens in this kingdom. Great. Yeah. Um, And yet, so... uh, So then, there's a pox... So a lot of... (laughs) So I'm trying to work out how to tell this story. Pox. A pox. A pox pox upon you. A pox upon you. There's... um, Because the set is so sparse, like all we really, really physically have is like a throne at the back. And then otherwise, it's like the real stripped back, very much just like black box uh, MC showroom setting of the whole thing. Sure, okay. Which means that we are made to imagine so much of how the world is. Mm. Especially, which is like cool and interesting. Obviously, there's a level of suspension of disbelief when it comes to watching theatre. But this seemed to push us as an audience so far into having to picture everything that I found it kind of fun to be tasked with such a, like a monolithic, monolithic, like a, like a big, big task in yeah. terms of the opulence that I had to envision for this kingdom. <laughs> Some people would say they just forgot to put the sets on. <laughs> no, I'm certain that it was a decision that they made. Yep. And I therefore have to assume that it's intended to make us do some sort of mental work or to point at the content of the world, you know? Um... Um, which I suppose it did, especially in the way that it was sort of like that the piece then develops. But yeah, there's even a moment where like the scribe is like looking for a book 
that will help him like uh, clarify something for, that he wants to talk to the princess about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but he's turned around and he's just like pointing at empty space. There's no bookshelf there. Oh, so they're like fully miming the whole. So world. it's like you know that he cannot get the book to show her because there aren't any books there. <laughs> <laughs> but to him. There are books. I do understand what acting okay, is. Okay, yes. right, okay. It didn't <laughs> sound was, like it did. There was a scene where they were having a picnic, and the picnic rug was a normal house rug. This is okay. This is something that I've spoken about before. It is interesting to me when people mime the world. Yes, but there are elements that they decide to bring in. Why do they bring the rug in? That's interesting because as we when we talked about this last time, it's like there must be a reason. There must that be they, a reason. They are pointing at this and being like, "There's nothing else, but there is this." Mm. Couldn't tell you. Couldn't what tell this, you. They had a couldn't rug. T- couldn't tell you. But yeah, th- okay. th- that's the thing that they did. But yeah, it was requiring me to. I based a lot of it on Ever After. This is how I, like, I had to like. Of course, had to imagine this sprawling field that they're in, having this picnic and this castle and this room with a library inside it. These are things that I was forced to imagine. And then, then what happens is throughout Bridget's character, the advisor begins like developing this pox. So she starts getting sick. Oh, she's she also, gets the pox. She gets the pox. Oh. She's also very, like, sceptical and cruel. Yeah, Jafar. And so there's a Jafar energy. What oh. I came out of it determining was that, especially as this pox takes hold of her, <laughs> the way that I sort of determined that, <laughs> that my mind had to describe it was, like, she's a tall female scar from the oh, Lion King. Yes, 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 yes. If yes, he yes. were full of snakes. In terms of body language. So... <laughs> Coming from the man who is speaking about condensing blood and magic into people, what do you mean? <laughs> so, take Scar from the Lion King. I'm with you on that The bit. animated one, yes. not the live-action animated one. I haven't one. seen that one. Great. Keep it that way. I don't want to see it. I haven't seen it either. Great. Yeah. Keep it okay, that way. Good. <laughs> I will. Good. Make us. No promises. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was about to launch into song, but I don't know that. I don't why we both decided to start trying to sing the Promises song. <laughs> knew it. Um, Give us a bar. Go I on. Guess. Promises. No, I, that, that's enough. I, um, God, that Promises Promises song from Promises Promises is so bad. I actually do not know the song you're talking about. Oh Jane. my God, no. And Kristen Chenoweth was in it with Sean Hayes when they did it on Broadway and she talks oh. so fondly of her experience on that show but you cannot listen to the score. Like, you can't listen to that recording because Sean Hayes' voice isn't very good. Oh, not Sean Hayes. Not Sean Hayes. Anyway, so so imagine Scar, original Scar. Jeremy Full Irons. Of snakes. It's yes. the snakes I want to know about. Oh, well, did you want me to walk you to this image? Or you yes. Just want... Yes? Okay. So Scar, as voiced by Jeremy Irons. Yes. Okay, take that Scar, drag him into reality, in terms of now he's a real lion. Okay, he's also a tall, slender woman. He's about to be. So you take Scar, then you stretch him out a bit, Mm -hmm. until he starts looking like Bridget Morrison. I'm there with you. (laughs) Yep, okay. All other qualities still intact. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mm -hmm. now, instead of like... Bones. Instead of like normal skeletal muscles, which are the muscles attached to the bones that help them move... Yes. You instead replace some of them with Egyptian asps. <laughs> I think I'm with you. I think I'm with you. Yeah. I like that. Especially in terms of how the pox then takes hold of her body. Okay, go on. You know, like even like imagine, imagine if you had to, remember even like think back to those like villains that you were describing in On the Rise mm, the other day. The quartet. You, you know, so like I think one or two of them sounded kind of like this embodiment now. Yeah. But yeah, where it's just like, you know, those acting exercises where it's like, okay, go full evil. Oh, yes. <laughs> like, imagine an 11. Everyone walk in a circle yes. and be evil. Yes. And yes. now, yeah, take it to an 11, add the charm of Bridget Morrison, 
and you have who this character then turns into. Terrific. Because what happens is like maybe like three quarters of the way through the show, this this fracture happens, and we're no longer in Jake imagining a lot of what a castle is, <laughs> and then we go into this world where it's fragmented and kind of gross and intense, and everyone's kind of like turned into kind of like their inner versions of themselves. Um, and this is, yeah, it was a really cool chance for like Brian Cooper, especially to shine in terms of like the ensemble then turns into kind of these like these creatures that are still their characters, but are also then engaged in these scenes that are more about like themes and essences and dynamics and like emotional concept. Oh, that sounds spooky. It's spooky. It's a, it's a world that I wanted to be in longer than we were able to be in it, which is always a good sign. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, I wanted to, yeah, to, to, to go on for longer. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah. So yeah, it was a cool. Any time like a play does a real hefty switch about, and you're like, oh, yeah, we weren't here moments ago. Love a swaps, swapsy roo. A swapsy roo is mm-hmm. yes, I believe. Yeah, who coined that term? Me. You did. Just now. Just now. Came up with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great. So that was cool. It was a fun little like yeah, funky, unexpected turn for things that like to take. Um, yeah, I mean, a- even just the visual of Scar made of snakes is very strong to walk away with. Sure, but that came out of my weak mind. But yes, yeah. Um, Don't belittle yeah. your mind. It was cool, but again, yeah. Plain English Theatre Company continues to be, like, uh, stimulating and cool and experimental and yeah. surprising, which is great. From it's fishermen great. to castles. They really can do it all. <laughs> That's the full gamut. That's the full... <laughs> um, great. Okay. Mm-hmm. Spooky, snaky people. Do you have a favourite castle? You can't say Bowser's Castle. I was going to say Bowser's Castle. You can't. My favourite castle... Was Princess Peach the head of a kingdom... Princess Peach was, yeah, yeah, I think she was in charge. Of what? Mario Town? Mario Land. All the people in Mario Land. All the plumbers. Is Mario Land all plumbers? Yep. Their toilets must be great. The toilets are so clean. (laughs) Well, no, they're never plumbing. They're always off saving princesses. All of them? I assume, There's one princess. I don't know anything about the Mario world. Mario is never bumping into... What's your favourite castle? (laughs) And you can't say Bowser's Castle. But I love that castle. He has so many... I can't get into it. Stop it. My favourite would be... Mm. Ah, My favourite would actually be Darth Vader's castle on Mustafar. He's got a castle. Darth Vader. Sorry, I got lost in the voice. I didn't even listen to the words. Darth Vader has a castle. Darth Vader has a castle on Mustafar, the planet where he was arguably born as Darth Vader. Arguably? Well, it's the, uh, when he had that big fight with Obi-Wan Kenobi, and then, like... Which is Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor says, like, You were my brother, Anakin, I loved you! And then, like, he turns into Darth Vader because he's, like, finally consumed by all his hatred, and he forgets, and he's, like, he's, like fuck it, I'm going to be angry and evil at all times now, and then he's burnt alive and has to turn into Darth Vader. Is that when Hayden Christensen has the higher ground? Does that happen? No, Ewan McGregor has the higher ground. Oh, lucky and Ewan. And that uh, is... Apparently, the deciding factor in the whole fight. Okay. He's taller, and Anakin tries to jump over him, and Ewan McGregor says no to this and chops his legs off. Because Hayden Christensen is Darth Vader. Oh boy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, that is correct. Oh, good. And so Darth Vader comes back to Mustafar and builds his castle there to remind himself of all of his hatred to keep him strong. Okay. That's my favorite castle. I don't mind. The castle... Are you familiar with the Swan Princess? No. Rothbart mm. has a castle. Oh. We don't see heaps of it, but I like the way... <laughs> no one knows about the Swan Princess. But, <laughs> but 
But there's there's a musical number he has when you walk into the like, into his castle. Mm. The first room you go into is this like big, almost like this courtyard where there's like a cool fountain, but it's all like dark and broken. Like he just doesn't maintain this castle at all. Oh yeah. There's a part where it's like you can. There's a window he can open, and then right out that window is like almost like a circular like. A circular stone room. It's like a tower, but you hollow out the middle of the tower, yep. and all it is is a sheer drop into water. Huh. And it's like, that's where you can just, like, keep your prisoners. That's great. Just in the water. Just pop them down there. Swag them in the little, out. Yeah, yeah, into the, the, the pool tower. That's, Darth Vader <laughs> has this huge room in his castle that is similar. It's this giant, empty chasm of a space with a bridge that connects, like, his inner chambers and the outside world and that's where he meets people and intimidates them and oh. he's designed it to be big and scary and vacuous so you feel lost in the in the atmosphere and so all these people come to meet Darth Vader and they all piss themselves because he's really scary yeah no, mm. I'm, oh, having a scary room having a scary uh, castle yes a scary castle I like we've both gone castle. for scary castles of course opulence is for stupid people absolutely who's the woman she's falling apart at the moment that supermodel Me. who keeps being in movies and then she's mad when no one takes her seriously but she's not very good in the movies with the eyebrows <laughs> don't look at me like that you know I don't know who this is she did one of those obnoxious rich person house tours and she's like this is my vagina tunnel and she has a tunnel in her house that is like a vagina themed it's a not even a room it's a tunnel and it's like bitch what but then it's also like can you imagine having that type of money where you yeah. where you have like a like a Darth Vader Rothbard castle you're like designing it presumably you can walk into a room and be like hmm. vagina tunnel <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can go in and be like I'm in a goofy mood you know what yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want this entire room to be shaped like a cock and balls. Yes. Yeah, you could do that. Oh my god! And then you, you are like so wealthy and extravagant that you only need to use that room for cock and balls. But we're not Lucas from last time. No, oh, we can't. Back. We can't afford a portrait of Napoleon Bonaparte. As much as I want a really big thing of nappy bobo, that no, would be. <laughs> I love no, no. <laughs> well, okay, we're skating past nappy bobo. <laughs> Nappy Bobo, you're going to save the French Empire? Boo! <laughs> Nappy Bobo. I hate that. Hey, you. <laughs> Incredible. Amazing. Yeah. We've done it again. We did it. They said we couldn't. <laughs> yeah, with all our shortcomings, we still managed to make it happen. I've never come short. How dare you? <laughs> it's a cum joke. <laughs> Everyone, I didn't realize. I only recently learned there are so many different glands and whatnot that are in charge of producing semen. Really? Yes. How many? They, like more than zero, That's... more than even just one. It's like because obviously, like the testicles produce the sperm. Yeah. But then when it goes from the testicle, which is a longer path than I thought it was, from testicle to urethra, it goes past more. Is that the vast like... difference? The vast difference is involved. Yeah. Okay. But there's like there's a whole path that goes along, and along that path, in order to obviously protect. The sperm cells, like that's the like the point of semen is to protect the sperm yeah. in like the goop. Yes, in the, in the goop. <laughs> in order yes. to make it into like the very acidic, like vagina. Yes. You know, so it needs to have all this extra protection. Yeah. And so yeah, there are so many different glands and whatnot on its journey outwards. To just pump shit in. Yeah, to just like to beef it up with all this extra like protective gloop. Beef it up. Beef. Oh. Oh. 
Uh, oh, it comes back to beef. Oh, it always comes love back beefy to beef. sperm. Yes. Um, beefy sperm. Beefy sperm. Anyway. Did not expect this conversation to end in sperm. Sorry, everyone. Trigger warning. Uh, so that's it for this episode, I suppose. Yeah. We're going to go and get bun me. Yeah. Don't be jealous. Join us if you want to. Um, we're going to eat and then continue this fringe-a-thon. This, this. Uh, let's have a think. What's um, that? Um, um, don't try to make a wordplay out of dogs. Barber it doesn't fringe work. sand. Barber fringe sand. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Liza fringe Nelly. <laughs> That's not bad. Hmm? Okay, I'll give you Liza Fringe Nelly. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, great. As always, we may already disagree with everything we just said. Yes, please don't hold us accountable to anything we ever say. Uh, <laughs> and also, friends don't let friends become theatre critics. Red hot fact. So true. Yes. So Beefy true, sperm. bestie. Beefy sperm. Beefy sperm. Have a great day. Beefy sperm. Beefy sperm.